Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Today, I feel very fortunate to have Kristen Van Nest on the program. She has a very diverse background, but I believe today we're primarily going to be discussing marketing, online business building, and writing ad copy, which is something that um, I am not great at, so like copywriting, but I'm very anxious to get into that conversation with her so she can go into greater detail. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. And again, Kristen, can you introduce yourself? Can you also tell the audience where they can find you online? If you want them to follow you on LinkedIn or Instagram, please mention that. Cool. Hey, I'm Kristen. I am a freelance copywriter and digital marketing strategist. Um, If you want to connect, connect on LinkedIn. My background, I started in branding consulting for Profit Brand Strategy. They're a global branding consulting firm. Worked with them, then did a Fulbright scholarship in Luxembourg on nation branding, so how nations brand themselves for to attract business, politics, and tourist um, income. And then after the Fulbright, I moved back to New York, and I worked. I love writing, so I was working as a writer, and I was writing a lot of pieces on businesses like Refinery29 and these companies that were using content to sell online products. So I started looking at that. Now that's called content marketing. Back then it didn't exist yet. So that was just kind of like content meets commerce. And people were just kind of like monitoring these companies that were doing that. Thrillist was another one. Um, So I interviewed a bunch of the founders from there. Then I decided I wasn't done living abroad. So I moved to Shanghai, didn't Shanghai, China. I didn't have a place to live. Didn't speak Chinese, had never been to Asia, just kind of went over there, started working for the largest wine importer over there. And so I was working for them, traveled all over China and oversaw um, 14 offices across greater China, the marketing strategy for the Australian and New Zealand wines and some American wines um, over there. And then I, you know, I wanted to do more digital And so I switched over and then I became global content marketing manager for Forio, which is a health and beauty brand. They're sold in 5,000 Sephora's Ulta's globally, and they were looking to attract more traffic to their website. So they hired me. I launched their whole blog and I launched like their whole redoing their website. Um, So that's kind of where like my skills in writing and my skills in branding kind of all came together, uh, managing their digital strategy. And since then, I now live in Los Angeles and I'm full-time remote freelance uh, digital marketing strategist and copywriter. So I specialize in helping small businesses who are going through high growth phases and really want to attract more business to their website um, and aren't really sure how to do that at a fast level like a very quickly so that's yeah. kind of the background nice it was it was an amazing intro i feel like i learned more just from listening to that so <laughs> what do you want to uh discuss uh specifically that you think might be of interest to the audience it sounds like you have a really uh wide experience and things that my followers fans would be interested in so i'm anxious to see what you gotta what you want to talk about yeah so i was thinking maybe kind of like when you're a small business, how do you know you have limited resources? Kind of what are the ways that you attract business online and um, and kind of get get traffic to your website? I was thinking that might be a good relevant topic. Sure. 
Yeah, cool. So like, for example, your website is kind of like a, um, it's kind of like a central hub where all of your, um, all of your traffic should go. So if you think of like all of the marketing that you're doing, it's kind of like a spider web where you need all of that to come back to your website because your website is where you describe what you are and who you are, how you're different and how you offer services. So a really good marketing strategy needs to think about anything you're doing. You want to have what we call a call to action. And that's a way that at the end of, at the end of whatever message you're sending out, there's a next step that you're making easy for your potential customer to take so that you can make sure that you have consistent communication with them and they know who you are. Yeah. Cool. So for example, um, one very big important part of your website is there's kind of, uh, there's one is capturing traffic. So when people come to your website, you want to make sure that they can, um, that you have a pop-up that asks for their email. Now, I know that we are all very annoyed by these pop-ups. I get annoyed when I see them on people's websites. But um, I've heard horror stories where, you know, companies have written like a blog post or something that went viral and they got, let's say, 10,000, 100,000, 10,000 views in a day, 100,000 views in a month, and they didn't have that pop-up. So they never got any of those email addresses. Yep. And so if you don't get someone's email address, how do you communicate with them again? And in marketing, well, you need to be... But, yep, go ahead. but people don't check email. That's what they keep telling me. They don't check email. <laughs> so the funny thing is, is actually email is the most successful marketing channel. Like more than yep. social, more than like it's the highest conversion rate. And it seems outdated. When, when I first heard that, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. It's email that's so old school, but it is actually the most successful way of communicating with people. So when you, what we call it is when you first have someone sign up, it's called a drip campaign. And there should be a set of emails that go out in that first month to two months that they sign up where everyone's getting the same emails. So like day one, it's like, hey, welcome. Here's who we are. Day three might be like, oh, did you know that we actually offer this service? So you're educating your customers all in the same way when they sign up for your emails so that they know who you are. And I find that having like very friendly email, um, like the old school ways to be very salesy in the email, like, oh, come today, da, 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 you know, like kind of in people's faces. But I find, and I've been able to get higher conversion rates or click-through rates for my clients by using more friendly and approachable um, content. So it's like, oh, are you, you know, like, I'm trying to think of one in the wellness, the wealth, health and wellness space. Um, maybe it's like, are you suffering from back pain and looking for, you know, is this a serious problem in your life? Something like that, I think, works better than um, come in today to help. We'll help you with your back pain. Like, it's just there's people get bombarded with so many emails that if you are more friendly and approachable, it goes farther than trying to sell them something upfront. Connection. Yeah. I, I talk to massage therapists specifically since that's a large part of my current marketplace. And I talk about email capture and its importance. They always have a million questions about how to set it up. And I go, go to Google, 
type in how do I start an email list and how do I capture emails and do just a little bit of research because everybody's website could be structured differently. The difference is I have, I think right now, seven or 10,000 people on my email list. I don't have a huge unsubscribe rate because after this podcast is done, I will take a screenshot, I will put it in an email, and there will be a link to your social media, a link to the video if they want to listen to it in the podcast. People are unlikely to subscribe because all I'm doing is saying, hey guys, here's an update of what's going on in my business. Listen, if you're interested in more information, you can go here. I'll talk to you guys soon. Classes are coming up. It's very friendly, very off the cuff. I understand people are busy. I'm not just bombarding them with, you have to hurry up and buy now. You have to hurry up and buy now. I'm actually using the email to give them more value. Yeah, and say like, hey, you know, here's free information that's helpful to you. And if you want to learn more, here are my classes or whatever, instead of being like, you should buy from me right now. It's no, I, I have information and I want to share it with you. I think it might help you. And if it doesn't, okay, no worries. And I think that's kind of the future of marketing and, and what performs better today versus what, what people used to see as marketing. Oh yeah. Someone put scare people away. You don't want to scare people away. <laughs> I mean, it just depends. Like everybody's not your fan or follower, Especially when you're talking about putting out a website, having digital content and information. If you're selling a service like Massage and you're like me and you live in Texas, you can't necessarily sell a session to someone in New York, but you can build a fan. And having that fan across your social media platforms or sharing your emails with other people means you can build more potential fans. Yeah. And I think having a unique selling proposition or a specific like, hey, especially if you're a sole proprietor, someone who runs your own business, it's like, hey, these are my values as a business owner and this is why I do what I do. I think pe- that resonates more with people than being like, I do anything and everything and whatever. You know, I don't think that kind of helps people connect as much as being like, you know, this is what I care about. Yeah. Some of it seems so obvious, but I think also you and I have, you know, kind of battled in the trenches, you probably to a higher degree than I have, where we've worked with businesses that are growing, we've run our own businesses. So it just seems like it's par for the course. But it's amazing to me how many businesses I run across when I go to their website that they're not capturing any data at all. They're not asking for an email address. They're not giving me a little free giveaway to, to get an email address. They don't have much in the way of social media presence. It absolutely amazes me when people are asking advice to build their business and they're not doing what I consider just basics. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, you know, they like their probably main goal isn't, you know, their main background isn't digital. So it's just not in their wheelhouse. And they're like, and I, I run into this, not just like all across the board with a lot of my clients where you know, they'll have a specific thing that they're really good at. And so they want to keep doing that. For example, I'll have tech clients where they're really good at, they're a developer and they're really good at developing things. And so I'll meet with them and they'll be like, oh, I I got this new, you know, I spent hours and created this new um, feature for our clients. And I'm like, that's great. But we also need to build the client base first. We need to actually like get out of what you're good at and build the kind of marketing side And as we do that, we can add new features. But if we just focus on adding new features without building our audience, you know, it's going to crumble. For for your business to grow, you have to be growing while you're focused on kind of what you're giving your client. 
connection, building connections, fostering connections, and then deepening connections. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that. Well, I, I think, and I don't know how it is with other businesses you've interacted with, uh, massage therapists are very heart-centered. Mm-hmm. They, they want to go out and help people. They're not necessarily in their minds when they're going to massage school, getting ready to run a business. They're not mm-hmm. interested in marketing and advertising and those things. And I come in as a continuing education provider to try to fill some of those gaps and explain that all that stuff that they want to do, if they'll just focus on the business side and continue crafting the art, they have to form deep emotional bonds and connections with clients, even if that's potential clients online where you're you're building a following of people who like you, who will, you know, want to purchase your service and then recommend you to other people. The digital landscape, you know, to keep in mind, I'm 42 years old. I didn't get on the internet until I think I was 18. So, you know, this has been a very swift sea change in, say, the past 20 years and how business is done where at the time when I got online in probably 1995, you know, businesses didn't have an online presence. Websites were relatively, you know, new for lots of businesses at that time. So I try to stress that we're still connecting with people, just like networking, shaking hands. We're just adding an additional layer on top that's a sort of digital networking and connection. Yeah. And I feel like it's sometimes hard because, you know, it is across the screen and sometimes it's over copy as opposed to meeting someone in person. Um, But that's why I think also the about section of a website is so important. Like you were saying, being heart centric, it's very, you know, saying, explaining in a quick paragraph why you do what you do uh, connects with someone so much more where other competitors might not put that. And so they'll go to their website and they'll be like, well, I don't know who this person is. And I want to know a little bit about the person who I'm going to be buying this a little like intimate service from. They're going to be helping me. I'm, yes. I have you and I need help. And having a little bit description like, hey, this is why I went into this field and this is why I'm passionate about it can help your customer feel like trust you and, and kind of feel a little bit more comforted before they even walk in the door. Yeah. That's that's absolutely the case. It's interesting to hear it from your perspective, uh, knowing that you're working with other businesses, but drawing the same sort of parallels between different industries. Yeah, there's a good, it's called The Golden Circle. There's a really good YouTube video. Um, It's called The Golden Circle, but it talks about like how you explain what you're selling and that good businesses don't just talk about the product they're selling. They talk about why they're selling it. Because it's not just what you're giving, but it's also, it's about that relationship. And that especially is important long-term, you know, having regular clients and making them feel comfortable. The website, it really is about, I mean, from a, you know, the website is really about people, if they haven't met you in person, right, the website's their first experience with you. And then they'll probably like come visit the office. If they like their experience, they'll come again, they'll come again. And then they'll become someone who tells all their friends about you. And so the website through email and through regular communication, you can help foster those relationships with those regular customers who already trust you. 
But the website is really educating those new people who are coming in and don't know anything about you. Yep. Cool. We'll take a quick break. And guys, thank you for joining the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I want you to know that we have a free trial subscription service for a month. You get 450 hours of access to my vault curriculum, which is recordings of my classes, tutorials, education that I put together to help massage therapists thrive. If you are just somebody who's from the public, you're interested in learning massage or time massage, it's an excellent way to get started inexpensively as a hobbyist. Uh, after that, it is seven dollars a month you can unsubscribe at any time do not care just want to provide more value to people in the most cost effective way manageable in addition if you're looking for workbooks or dvds if you go to robertgardnerwellness.com in the store both of those are available both the vault and the dvds thank you so much for following the robert gardner wellness podcast Hey, y'all, it's Trent Knox, podcast producer for the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Thank you guys very much for tuning in on all of the platforms, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, Mixer, DLive, VK, Africa TV, Vaughn Live, Periscope, and Facebook, especially our Facebook audience. Thank you very much. Um, we've added a couple different new features to the, to the live stream and the podcast. If you can see now on the, the mainstream, you can see that we are offering the ability for you to, to interact and be a part of the community by showing that you support the podcast by following. So follow us on Facebook and subscribe on YouTube. Thank you very much. Back to Kristen and Robert in the studio. And Kristen, can you introduce yourself again quickly and tell them where they can find you, where they'd like them to follow you on social media? Hey, yeah, I'm Kristen Van Nest, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look up my name, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, Van Nest, V-A-N, like a van, N-E-S-T, like a bird's nest, pretty simple. Um, Add me on there, and if you have any questions or are looking for someone to help you grow your business, I love helping small businesses grow. This is what I do every day. I help them grow online, so definitely reach out to me there. And just for a little on my background, uh, started in branding consulting in New York. Uh, did a Fulbright in Luxembourg where I researched nation branding, so how nations brand themselves. Moved back to New York, was a writer there, uh, did a lot of digital marketing strategy, writing, and kind of like studying what was going on in the market. Then moved to China and worked in marketing in China, uh, worked as a brand manager at a wine importer, and then as global content marketing manager for Foreo, which is a beauty brand. And now I work full-time as a freelancer. Are you happy with it? I love it. I love it. Um, you know, when you talk about values, like one of mine is freedom, or two of mine are freedom and creativity. So yeah. as a freelancer, I have my own schedule. So you know, I always meet deadlines, but in between that, if I want to work in the evening or if I want to work sometimes at 6 a.m., I'm one of those crazy people who's up early <laughs> and I have some East Coast clients. So being on the West Coast, it actually works better. Um, so I love that. And then with the kind of creativity, I get to work with a lot of different clients and help them through the varying problems that they face. So there's always interesting interesting problems to be solved and i kind of love that part of what i do nice yeah, yeah it sounds like uh, from an entrepreneur perspective you kind of thrive in some of the same 
environments I do. Uh, time constraints, uh, being able to sleep late if you want to, and then kind of maximizing freedom and creativity. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I am just one of those people. I read the four hour work week. Have you read that for Tim Ferriss? Um, yeah. That changed my life. I, I'm just one of those people where I hate sitting at a desk if I have nothing to do. <laughs> like I, when I'm at my desk, I'm like very efficient and I'm getting through things. Um, but if I found it frustrating when I was working full time at an office, um, kind of having, you know, it looks good if you stay late and stuff like that. And I didn't really like that part of corporate culture because it's, well, actually today I, I finished everything and, you know, tomorrow I might need to stay late, but today I don't have anything that's time sensitive. So, um, I like the freedom of being able and being able to kind of like work with clients I really like and, and be really invested, um, in the projects that I'm working on yeah. because for freelance, you have that freedom to kind of choose and, um, and like, you know, you have that freedom, which I really like. I like helping business evolve and adapt, especially to the digital landscape. If they've already had a service or a product related industry, and then they're trying to maybe maybe venture towards social media. Um, I scare a lot of business owners off because once I come in and start waving my phone around like an anarchist talking about TikTok, they go, I can't deal with this guy. This is too much. <laughs> There's no control, you know, and I and I look at it from small business standpoint. It's like my entire business is built off of this. Like, like this device is going to continue to get more potent, more compact, you know, easier with 5G, more effective. It's not slowing down. It's ramping up. Like I hate to say this when I work with businesses that don't want to adapt to a digital marketplace, but I'm going, are you going to have a business in 10 years? Because I don't. I don't understand why you wouldn't have an Instagram profile. Yeah. And on, I mean, on a local level, like if you don't have Yelp, if you don't have like services that geotag you, like someone might look you up on Instagram and they can see all the posts from other people. And they're like, Oh, you know, I'm not just going to some place that I don't know. And I'm going to be uncomfortable. Oh, this person had a good experience. This person's grateful. So like, even if you're, you know, the internet feels so big and so global, but on a local level, it's how you kind of connect with people as well. It's, it's how you're not putting flyers or sending, you know, email or, uh, now it's email things, but it's not like brochures. The internet is doing that for you. Yeah. Um, just getting people with, you know, traditional services or products, just to slowly and incrementally embrace social media, just from an organic level, just posting regularly on Instagram, you know, making informative educational videos. If you sell cookware, you know, it's demonstrating the cookware in a video with somebody who's a funny cook, you know, delivering little minute cooking tutorials. There's so much uh, available now that I find it very hard because my business was built in the age of the internet. I don't really understand how I would have had a business during the yellow pages. It, I can't really process that mentally. Yeah. And I mean, I, it's, it's hard for me to imagine too, because like so many leads come from online and like, I do believe that's still the most powerful way is word of mouth. But now word of mouth is through, like we're talking about those posts on Instagram it is through someone checking in on Facebook to your Facebook page when they visit you. 
you know, that's also, that's powerful word of mouth. So it's, it's the same kind of like a lot of the same theories apply, but the application is so different. Yeah. I mean, in the end, I think, you know, anybody who sells a product or service, of course, I have a lot of people who are massage therapists. They're just trying to figure out how to get clients. I find that sometimes to me, it seems so easy to just be honest, be authentic, be yourself, take out a phone, make a quick video, educate people about who you are. And then if you do that consistently over time and then take videos, put them on your website, create a blog, uh, create a podcast, interview people, get people to guest blog on your website. When you build more and more of that infrastructure, it leads to trust. And in a deeply intimate industry, it's absolutely what's needed. In an interesting way, I think people are afraid of video in my industry specifically because massage therapists are thought of as working on people who are unclothed or naked. So it seems like it's not necessarily a great way to deal with video, but I think in some ways it's actually quite the opposite. In my case, I know that I make a living because I'm able to connect with people via audio-visual components. I'm, I'm building trust just by having you on the podcast, and that leads to me getting more clients. Yeah, and I feel like with video, you get so much more of a, like a vibe of who someone is. Like, I write copy, and I, and I also make, I, I make comedic videos in my free time, um, and with having, I mean, ideally you can have both because if you don't have video, like there's only so far copy can go, but you watch a video of someone for one minute and you kind of get what they're about to such a deeper level than anything else. Because you hear them, you hear what they're saying, you hear, you see how they say it. There's like so much of how we communicate that's not just through words. So I think video is like a huge, if you can have it, and especially through like Instagram and other ways that are a little bit more personal, um, it's good to have those kind of like extra features. Yeah. Consistently, I don't even worry about like if it's LinkedIn or Snapchat or what platform it is. I just use the platforms, see how other people are using the platforms and continue to try to make some form of video content that feels real, that allows me to connect with you, Kristen, so that you know when you come to Texas, you decide to come in and get a session. For me, it's hard to quantify making videos regularly on Instagram. And then, you know, two years later, you happen to be in Texas and I get a client. That's very hard to explain to therapists who've not seen it work in their practice. And it's a bit of a statistical anomaly because, again, I think in my industry as massage, I still think it's fledgling. I, I still feel like they're trying to find their wings. Um, it's only been in the last 20 years or so that Massage Envy has sort of taken the helm to teach the public what massage is. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like there's a resistance. It's like, Oh, well, no, I'll just go to networking events. I'll meet people in person and that works too. But, um, what you can also introduce people online and that person you meet in person, let's say might talk to someone else and that person's going to go to your website. And if you don't have a website or you don't have a way to connect with them online, they might check you out on Instagram if you don't have that, they're going to be less likely to come in the door because that's kind of the like reaffirmation of what they'd already heard. 
Have you heard those stories about um, how many times a consumer has to hear about you, be reminded of you before they're willing to make a purchase and how the internet has changed that? Yeah, I haven't heard that. Well, the old marketing thing is that you have to be, they have to learn about you seven times. Um, I, I haven't heard that much about like how the internet's changed it, but I believe that the internet, it's like, okay, get those seven in, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So what other topics are you, are you most interested in pressing into that you think would be of interest to the audience? Um, let's see. Um, I think other areas. Yeah. I think, um, when you're creating your brand as a sole proprietor, sometimes I work with, um, companies because especially when I'm establishing their about page, which I was talking about earlier, um, I think if it's your own business where your face is on it, um, it's a little bit different of a branding strategy than if you're just selling a specific product. So oftentimes what I advise people is it's not just about, like I, I tell people to make lists, they make a list of, um, what they're passionate about. What do they like? What are their values? And then what is the product that they sell? And then you should look at those three lists and kind of establish what is unique about you. And that's what your about page should be about. Because in other businesses, if you're just selling a product, um, it's still important like who the founder is and what they're like. And we've seen plenty of examples of that. Maybe Uber and WeWork being disaster stories. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, if it's your business and you're you're selling something that you're providing, I think it needs to be more about your values and who you are, um, because that's part of what you're selling. And once people understand that, they'll connect with that. And like you were saying, like, you know, not everyone may connect with your specific values, but it's better if some people connect with your values than no one connecting with what you're about. And I think yep. that's all, like oftentimes, especially like more people with more experience in sales, they're like, no, 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 we just have to sell to as many people as possible. And it's like, okay, well, one, if you're selling to too many people, you usually have to lower your prices. And that's not a good situation that any business wants to be in. Two, like you, how do you establish regular customers? How do you establish like kind of more committed people? And so sometimes I'll get resistance when I'm kind of helping people be more specific about what they're selling because they're scared that they're going to lose business, but it's really going to help them gain business. Ooh, real challenging. I think for, at least in my, within my industry as an educator in the massage industry, when I talk to students, I often get the sense that they're fighting poverty and they're just trying to survive. So sometimes it's very difficult for them to make decisions that I think would allow them to thrive because mm -hmm. they're just focused on survival. We'll take a quick break. Hold that thought. Okay. 
Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I want you to know that if you are looking for workbooks, DVDs related to time massage and manual therapy instruction, you can find those at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. In addition, we have a free trial subscription service I'd love to have you be a part of. You get access to a private Facebook group to ask me questions. Think of it as an online apprenticeship. I'm going to work with you step-by-step to help build your practice. We're going to work with you on a table, eventually build you up to working on a mat, deeper compressions, helping people in chronic pain. It is $7 a month, but free for your first month. Go ahead and check it out. Again, you can subscribe and unsubscribe at any time at robertgardenwellness.com in the store. And we're back in the studio with Kristen Van Ness. Kristen, can you introduce yourself again and give them contact information? Hey, I'm Kristen Van Ness. Uh, I'm a freelance remote digital marketing strategist and copywriter. So I love helping businesses grow, especially small businesses who are going through a high growth phase. So if you're looking for help growing your business, definitely look me up on LinkedIn. My name is Kristen Van Ness, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, Van, V-A-N, like a van. Nest, N-E-S-T, like a bird's nest. And yeah, my background, I have a branding, marketing strategy, and digital strategy background. I uh, was formerly global content marketing manager for a health and beauty brand. Um, I lived in China working in the wine industry. And I worked in New York as a branding strategist. And I was a Fulbright scholar researching nation branding, so how nations brand themselves. So I've done all the marketing stuff all over the world. <laughs> and if you're anything like, I think, based on the, the light conversation we've had so far, I think when you look across industries, it helps you understand core concepts related to marketing and advertising so that they can be applied to a really wide array of products and services. Yes, definitely. So what were you saying about the list before we went to break? Uh, oh, okay. So when you're branding your business, um, if you know, if it's, if you're selling a service that you're offering, it's very much, it's not just about what the product is that you're selling. It's also important to think about what your values are as a person, as well as what you enjoy because it's your business. So long-term you're going to gravitate towards things that you enjoy and you're going to gravitate towards people who are similar and have the same things that they enjoy and you're as well as have the same values. So when you're writing the about section of your website or kind or describing to someone that you meet why you went into massage therapy or whatever your business is, it's important, especially when, you know, your face is on your brand to kind of highlight those pieces of why you do it. And I'd love to talk more about what you were saying about kind of survival and um, starting a business because when I, so I lived in China and I was content, the global content marketing manager for a beauty brand over there. And when I moved to Los Angeles, um, you know, I just come back from, from China. <laughs> all, all my contacts are from years ago and they're from the East coast. Cause I used to live in New York city. So I came back to LA and I was like, Oh cool. I want to, I know that I want, I know one of my values is freedom and creativity. I know that I want to work remotely and that I want to be a freelancer who works with, you know, with different clients. 
And so I moved to LA and my first year was a huge struggle because I didn't have any of the network. You know, I, I just moved across the world. So I didn't have really that much of a network that was like fresh and alive. And, um, and like when you first start a business, like you were saying, there's that kind of fear of failure. And so when you're leading and when you're talking to people from a place of fear, you might know everything technical about what you're doing, but then it's like, oh, sell yourself. And you're like, um, I mean, I, I guess I'm good at it. And it's like, no, you're really good at it. But if yeah. you come off with that kind of confidence, people, people, you know, if you don't trust yourself, why should they trust you? So. I, in classes, I got to this point where I realized, even though I was teaching massage therapists a little bit of business and some, you know, theory and then application of bodywork and massage technique to help their clients, I realized that the fundamental business piece was I got to the point where I was trying to teach them self-esteem. Because if they didn't believe in what they were doing, they couldn't go out and sell themselves. It's a very intimate service. And I still haven't cracked that completely as to how to, you know, take the therapist and build them up so they actually believe in themselves. Yeah. So for me, a big game changer was reading The Artist's Way, which is actually, it's a book for creatives. Um, but the book is, you know, if you're running your own business and you're an entrepreneur, you kind of are a creative. Because you, I mean, you don't have the regular structure of like a nine to five job with guaranteed salary. You know, you're, you're doing, you're creating your own. So, um, that's, uh, that's a huge thing. And so for that, it's by Julia Cameron. And one of the processes in the book is to just write three pages every morning. And right now I only write 10 pages every morning, but it's just kind of to like, clear the like anxiety and gook out of your mind <laughs> where you're like, Oh, like I'm kind of worried about this client or like I'm stressed about this specific thing I have to do. And like all of that stress just stays tied up in your mind and gets tighter and tighter and it doesn't help you perform better. It hurts your performance. So for me, that book was a big game changer because it kind of taught me to be like, okay, trust that I know what I'm doing and you know, today I might not have enough clients or the right clients, or I might be frustrated where I am, but if I just keep working and keep moving forward, that will change. Like as long as you're putting in the work and as long as you're working towards getting somewhere, you will get there. It's if you're stressed and you stop working towards there, that that's where you run into problems. Oh, man. It, it, it can be complex working with massage therapists because they have, at times, unfortunately, they have an employee mindset of, if I put in this much labor, how much money do I make per hour? And working for yourself, I spend untold hours doing things that don't necessarily generate direct revenue, but that lead to a sale down the road. And, you know, nobody paid me, for instance, to make my YouTube channel eight years ago and continue putting out videos. If anything, it was actually to the confusion of people in my industry, but that gamble has paid off well. Um, it's hard, again, I think from a starvation mindset, it's hard for employees. You know, it, it feels safe to get out of massage school and work for a company instead of building your own business because you have two things now. You have the art and the business. 
if you're trying to tackle both of those at the same time, not even I did that. Not that I'm saying you couldn't. It's just you're trying to work out the art of delivering massage and body work as a service. And then you're also trying to figure out, well, oh, how do I build a business? Like, the, do I need a website? Do I need an Instagram? Like, how does that work? That can be really overwhelming to somebody just starting out. Yeah. And if you're on your own, like, you have to constantly be looking for new leads. Like, even if you're pretty booked up, you still have to be, you know, you spend maybe less time on leads, but part of your job is the leads. And I think it's hard. It's frustrating because it doesn't feel fair that, you know, you're putting all this work into your current clients and then you're getting unpaid for potential future clients. So it doesn't feel fair that you have to kind of put that work in, but it's part of the like freedom you have of running your own business is like you get to choose what you do. But the the downside is, is that you have to keep kind of keep doing that sales piece. And so I think another part of it is like having the mindset that that sales piece isn't if you if you hate that sales piece, it comes off when you talk to people. Hmm. Um, and I think you have to kind of like frame in your mind like, hey, this might be someone I work with. And if I do work with them, awesome. If I don't work with them, okay, maybe they're not a good fit. That's okay. Um, and And if you love what you do too, it comes off in your calls. So I think when you come from that starvation mindset, you're like, oh, I have to get on this call. I have to talk to this person that, you know, maybe they won't work with me and this will be a waste of my time. And I hate wasting my time on this when I could be doing other things. That will come off in the call when you talk to them. They will feel that vibe. I always try to take therapists and turn it back towards their heart and go, listen, you got into massage, if you're anything like 90% of the students I see in my classes, because you want to help people. Now, do you in fact want to help people? And they all say yes. I'm like, hey, so we're listen, we're going to take this and we're going to put it on amphetamines and steroids. And the way you're going to do that is by building a website, building a blog, building social media, getting comfortable making phone calls and actually going and selling your heart and going, listen, I really, really want to help you, Steve. I'd really appreciate it if you came in. I really want to work on that upper back problem you're having. Fundamentally, I really think it's just relationship building, connection. Definitely, definitely. And, And yeah, and it's hard when you're discouraged and it's hard. I've switched careers multiple times, if I said, and I moved to different countries. And whenever you start, like, that first year is always brutal. It's like, it's always tough and you always, it's an uphill battle. You don't have enough money coming in and you're working crazy hours, but like it gets better. You just have to kind of keep going. And so it's just, it's like part of it's, yeah, it's part of it. I, I think on some level it's great fun, but I think also I've, I've done business well enough to escape, you know, abject poverty. Um, so I'm in a slightly different position mentally than many of the therapists who I see in my classes who are just trying to figure out how to get more clients. I think that over time it changes your mindset, your position with business, 
you know, we could talk about things like affluence and poverty mentality, how it affects people. But I feel like massage as a service um, is so intimate and also something that people desperately want. Who doesn't like massage? Like, I think that's a very rare person that I run into who says they don't like massage at all. And I think that it's just about putting yourself out there for lack of a better term, you know, being able to connect with what I think would be your target audience and putting yourself in a position to get lucky, uh, mining the contacts you have, continuing to develop contacts and connecting with more people to establish yourself as an authority within your industry. Yeah. And I think another thing, I'm not sure in massage, but at least as a freelancer who does digital marketing and um, copywriting, pricing is a huge thing. And it, a lot pricing. of pricing comes down to how you value yourself. So I meet a lot of freelancers who they are, you know, they are struggling. And so what they do is they offer insanely low rates. They offer really low rates. Okay, now I have clients. Well, guess what? To pay your bills, you have to work an insane amount of hours. So then for the clients you have, you miss deadlines. You don't give them good customer service. They're constantly like, where was this? This was due yesterday. Why don't I have it? And so you're doing everything at 80% instead of 100%. And so your clients leave you and you're exhausted and you're burnt out. And it's because your pricing isn't right. I th- well, yeah, when you ahead. talk about pricing of uh, services and products, can you go into a little bit more detail about that? Like if you're charging um, an hourly rate or per product you're offering, um, I see a lot of freelancers that are like in my market and they charge they charge maybe what they would get paid if they were working full time. But if you're working full time, that's a guaranteed pay. So they, they charge what they were, which, and it's lower than what you should charge as a freelancer. Cause as a freelancer, you have to pay for your own healthcare. You know, you have to pay for your own, um, like, you know, all of that kind of stuff that are added costs that are covered. You have to pay for, if you want to ever go on vacation for a day, you know, if you're on vacation, you're not getting paid during that time. And so they charge too low rates. And so when they charge the rates that are below what they can have to live and thrive at their business and compensate for those hours that they're not getting paid to try and build leads. Um, I meet a lot of people who are in that space and it's a really, it's a real struggle for them. And I think a lot of it has to come back to how they value themselves and that kind of fear of like, Oh, well, you know what? I'm not worth that higher price. And it's like, if you're good at what you do you and, and you're passionate and you're giving a good service, you are worth that higher price. In a service economy, um, and this is where I have a little background because I started as a service provider. The notion is you want to raise the fee, you need to make more per hour. Then I went so far into education that I got to digital distribution models for our subscription service. And I said, hey, why not make it $7 a month? I've had to fight people tooth and nail over that. These are two fundamentally different things. My class fees, my service fees have all increased. This is what I'm keeping the same. But I don't have to recreate this every time it goes out every month. It's just 
it's just there. It's a vault. It's a library. Yeah. Yeah. Like IP or like, yeah. Royalties. Yeah. It's a very different, you know, business model. And I've only organically on my own started to, to grapple, you know, as I looked at business itself and started thinking about a taco truck, you know, well, how does the taco truck? Oh, they don't have a brick and mortar. They just have the truck. So long as they're above board and legit, they've actually cut their costs. They can actually do things a restaurant can't do because they're mobile. You start to look at business on a different level and then go, wow, I wonder what the profit margin is on their tacos, like based on their ingredients and the cook and you know all those factors. You started to extrapolate out into other industries and look at other industries for how they were marketing, branding, delivering products and services. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break. And guys, thank you so much for joining the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. If you are looking for educational materials, either as a hobbyist or a massage therapist, I offer some of the highest quality educational materials in the marketplace at affordable rates. My desperate desire is to reach out globally to a marketplace, help people with pain relief and education and massage and body work. There is a whole assortment of workbooks and DVDs available on my website in addition to a free trial subscription service. After that free month, it is $7 a month. You can unsubscribe at any time. We currently have 450 hours of my classroom instruction available there for you in vault format. And we also have a drip course that gives you CE credit if you're looking for CEs as a massage therapist in addition to a private Facebook group. Just think of it as online apprenticeship. I'll continue working with you, and you can find all of that information at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. And uh, Charmaine, hey, how you doing there? Uh, Les, classes are coming up in multiple cities and states. Um, We have Fort Smith, Arkansas coming up. We have Dallas and Austin. Uh, Here in Austin, Texas, we have two new classes coming up soon, one for abdominal work and work on the psoas and another for advanced upper back and neck pain relief. We also just listed Chicago, I believe, for those same classes. You can, again, find those at robertgardnerwellness.com. And we are back. Can you introduce yourself, Kristen, uh, again, just real quick and give us some information where they can contact you online? Hey, I'm Kristen Van Nest. I'm a digital marketing strategist and copywriter. I've worked in branding consulting in New York City. I worked as global content marketing manager for a health brand, and I worked in China as a brand manager. So if you want to connect, I love helping small businesses grow quickly especially online. So you can look me up and add me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is just my name, Kristen Van Nest, K-R-I-S-T-E-N space V-I-N, like a van, nest, N-E-S-T, like a bird's nest. So Kristen, before we went to break, I was talking about uh, looking at various industries. So Mm -hmm. I think you worked in some uh, health and, or was it beauty related products at one point? Yeah, health and beauty and wine are, uh, very uh, fragmented businesses in that it's very um, distribution-based. And uh, how do I explain it? There's lots of small brands. Yeah. Um, well, it's not like consumer products or pharma or some of those other industries where they're, you know, they're these huge brands that kind of dominate things. Um, yeah. 
So there's kind of a different approach there. Um, we were also talking, we were also talking, you were mentioning about how like the taco truck and not having, um, you know, having to pay for an, for a restaurant and stuff like that. Um, at least in my space, which is copywriting and digital marketing strategy, you're seeing a lot of that. So I work, I work remotely as a freelancer. I don't have an office, right? So like, I don't have to pay for an office space. A lot of my clients, they have worked with agencies and agencies have to have offices. They, they use a more traditional, or not anymore, but they use a more traditional approach. They insist that any copywriters they have work in an office. And so there's, those costs are then transferred to their clients. And so they have to charge higher costs. So in the agency industry, you hear a lot about these agencies going under. And I mean, a lot of the issue is that companies don't want to pay for those, you know, Don Draper offices and all the costs that come with these bigger agencies. And so you're watching evolution as, you know, as the internet and how, how things work right now, we can have a conversation like this. We don't need to be in an office together. Um, yeah. And so there's ways, like you were saying with the taco truck, that you can think about cutting costs while still offering a great product. Thinking outside the box, I mean, again, massage is a relatively, I think, new industry. Um, I think of it as within the last, you know, 30 to 40 years uh, coming to predominance in the United States. I don't even have any idea what it's doing globally. So I'm always looking for um, angles. I know as an educator, getting into digital education was a huge um, thing for me. It completely shifted my perspective on business. What have you seen between the cosmetic and the wine industry from China? Did you notice anything going from industry to industry, like differences between those two? Um, well, in the wine industry, it's very, because you have restaurants, um, so you, you're selling online, but you're also building a reputation in person in a way. So like someone who goes to a Michelin star restaurant, they look at the wine list and that kind of determines some of the wines they're willing to pay more for. Um, also in the wine industry, you have what's called, and in other industries, but especially in kind of fragmented industries, uh, you have what's called hero products. So you might have one product that you sell the most of. It's your mass product. You sell a huge quantity of it, but your margins are really low. Um, and then you might have more premium products. Like in wine, it's the wines that are winning awards. The margin is significantly higher on those products, but you're not selling a lot of them. And their purpose is to build your whole brand. Like they're a premium product that you say, hey, see, we sell this award-winning product, therefore we know what we're doing. We also sell this more inexpensive product, um, but you're getting the same guarantee as someone who's making this. So there's ways that you can like kind of, through, if you look at your product portfolio, some products are going to help you with marketing and others are going to be like your, you know, go-to product that everyone buys. 
I usually, and I'll be interested to see you. You've worked with larger companies than I'm fam- than I'm familiar with. I'm a very small, you know, groovement independent practitioner to then teaching online digital distribution. One of the things I often recommend to small businesses is instead of trying to do twenty things, they do three things inordinately well. Focus on those things, brand and market those things. And then kind of develop a niche market instead of trying to offer what a large company can offer as far as like a hundred products. Do you have any thoughts about that or insight? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, if you're doing, if everything's okay, again, like a lot of business is still word of mouth, whether it's online or in person. And so if your products are just okay, you're not getting that word of mouth. And so it's way better to have only a couple products that are great because then your customers are doing the marketing for you. Well, if you have only products that are okay, you're going to have to keep looking at looking for new customers. You're not going to have repeat customers and you're not going to have people who are talking about how great you are. Yeah. So it's definitely better to have just a couple that are your go-to than to stretch yourself too thin and just be like, yeah, I can do, I can do everything. No, no one can do everything. And no one can do yeah. everything well. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like um, if I talk to cooks uh, specifically, I say cooks, but normally it's chefs, a much higher training than I have. Um, it's trying to get them to the point, and I've seen, at least in the Austin area, food trucks became a very large thing. I think as property values and real estate went up, the cooks or chefs felt pressure because they had to perform in a certain way to deal with the financier who owns the restaurant, you know, these sort of partnerships. Whereas, nah, man, listen, I can go farm to table with the food truck and just control it all myself because my overhead is so much lower. I get to do what I really want to culinary art school to do at the CIA, which was to create art, to be able to craft this farm to table food that you know gr- gained predominance in the local marketplace that everybody talked about. Um, I've seen one of the reverse things happen where they're opening a food truck, they're using the money from the food truck after establishing notoriety, doing two or three things well, then they go into the brick and mortar business because they've got money to invest at that point. Yeah, yeah, and or and then like a lot of restaurants where they start to fail is they're like, oh, we're doing great, we'll open like 20 restaurants right away. And it's like, well, then the person who founded it can't have the hands-on, can't train people, can't watch quality control. And so they might they might have been great, but now they're spread too thin and they cannot control the quality and guarantee it. And then they start getting the bad reviews and their restaurants aren't doing as well. And they don't have people come in, they're like, oh, great. I love this. I love the chef. They open near me. They go in, they're like, oh, this is really soggy or this wasn't cooked enough. <laughs> I'm not coming back here. Hard pass. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't go to culinary art school for a reason. I, I decided to, to focus on massage and body work. I'm a huge foodie, love Tony Bourdain. So I'm just having nightmares of elite Yelpers leaving reviews oh, <laughs> that God. are horrible about some, some chef's livelihood and, you know, art form. Oh, there's like some really funny New York Times, like their reviews and they're really funny, but they're also just so mean. <laughs> like part of me, <laughs> is so bad for this person, but part of me is also like, how did this happen? <laughs> yeah. 
there's there's so many parallels from industry to industry. Um, have you had any major struggles working with businesses where you were trying to in, uh, incorporate ideas that they were very reluctant or hesitant to? Yeah, I'd say this is um, sometimes I choose not to work with clients if this happens. It happens very rarely, but it's it's about my values and um, I'll try and give them advice and then, you know, whatever it is I've done won't be used or whatever. And that gets very frustrating. And it's sad for me because I want them to succeed. And it's really sad working with a company that's not succeeding, especially when you're like, this product is great. Or, you know, these employees are great. Or, you know, you really believe in aspects of what they're doing, but there's an inability to kind of like open up and adapt to the market. And so it's at the top where there's kind of like, you know, they're not willing to move in the direction they need to move. And that's really sad <laughs> and tough. Ooh, yeah, I, I encounter it and I feel like slowly I'm, I feel like I'm edging towards some sort of being a consultant for people, uh, especially within the massage and bodywork related industry. Um, as we continue growing and things, I'm figuring it out and it's flowering. Uh, people are coming to me and asking questions and I feel like I'm moving into that consultant role. And there's so many people that I see where I can give them on no budget. Like they come to me and say, I've got $10,000 in ad budget. I'm like, boring. They come to me and they're broke massage therapists. And I go, hey, I got an idea for you. I'm real excited. And they're, they can't believe that they could do it on no budget. And it's like, listen, that's how I built my business. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I know. I know sweat equity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's about being nice too. Like it's like, oh, sometimes people on LinkedIn, they reach out and they're like, hey, I just have this quick question. And if they're nice, I'm like, yeah, I'm happy to help you. Like, I, you know, sure. like you want to help people. That's part of yeah. like what we do is helping people and we enjoy that. And so it's sad when people aren't like ready to change or evolve um, because they get in their own way. And, and that, that's sad. That's tough. Uh, what, what I see with businesses, both um, services and products, I see this fairly consistently. Again, I feel like an anarchist walking in with a cell phone. When I have conversations with business people, they immediately go, oh, we, we've got this thing that kind of works. I don't have time for all this internet stuff. And I just, it's like being in 1955 and thinking, you know, you were going to have a business that wasn't going to rely on TV ads that were probably in 1955 burgeoning, you know, yeah. in 1965, 1975 TV ads were very different 20 years later. They're missing on a, a huge potential market just by not adapting to digital information and exposure to an internet marketplace. Yeah. All right. So, Kristen, do you have any closing thoughts before we head out? Um, I just wish everyone luck. I wish all your students luck. And if anyone needs help, if they're looking to build their business online and they are looking, you know, I work remotely um, as a freelancer, so I'm always here to help. I love helping small businesses. Um, that's what I'm mainly about. I do a lot of copywriting. And then I also do kind of strategy. So I help on both sides of that. So if anyone needs help, definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. And if you have any questions, I'm happy to happy to answer those as well. Great. 
Kristen, at some point in the future, if you'd like to come on and discuss other like specific topics that are of interest to you, if there's value in that for you, please let me know. Um, I like having long conversations where we really get to dig uh, through various layers and get to know you and what you do. I think providing business and marketing information from other industries is really important for massage therapists to understand the overall business picture. So I really thank you for coming on the program. And if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in to our podcast, and I really appreciate all of your time and attention. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning to the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I really appreciate it. And you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Offhand, I think of Anchor um, and then also Spotify. But you can check us out also if you want the video recordings of these on YouTube should be easily found or on my Facebook business page. Thank you again. And our guest was Kristen Van Nest. Again, thank her for coming on. You can find her online. Freelance copywriter does really great work across industries. Had a great time talking with her. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.